Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of the Bay Street Capital Holdings podcast titled How'd You Do It and Why Should I Care? This series aims to highlight women doing amazing work in various industries. So today we are so lucky to be joined by Janae Norris, who is talent sourcing partner at Paylocity. Hi Janae, lovely to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, it's much appreciated. So let's first start off with an introduction as to who you are and perhaps the main answer to the question of the podcast, which is how'd you do it and why should I care? Okay. Um, so I am, a, I'm a New Yorker who lives in North Carolina now. Um, but part of the talent acquisition industry, HR, either or, I'm a talent sourcing partner, been in this industry for about five years now, roughly. Um, and started off actually in the legal field and political legal field and then transitioned into HR, actually fell into HR, but I like it. So I stayed. Awesome. So I guess what inspired you to join this um, sourcing, you know, industry? So honestly, the role was sold to me. Like my first job in HR was sold to me as an office administrator. Mm -hmm. And it was not that. Um, That was some of the duties. But my main focus was recruiting for sales professionals, like very entry level sales consultants and doing a lot of HR administration. So I was doing the onboarding. I was helping with the, you know, the W-4 paperwork, I-9s, and then trying to almost, I mean, act as an employee relations partner too, whenever we had issues in the office. So um, that is how I ended up in the industry. It was not something, most people I know that work in specifically talent acquisition Mm -hmm. area of HR don't necessarily seek this type of role. Like no one in school tells you about Mm -hmm. how you can be a recruiter or a sourcer or a partner in that way. They talk about like business in general, or they talk about HR as a whole, but they don't particularly tap into this um, specialization. And most of us end up falling in here and just really love it and just stay. That's awesome. So I guess my next question begs me to ask, since you didn't know much about the industry before joining, what were the best resources that helped you along your career journey? Oh man. I would say social media helped me a lot. Um, Unfortunately, when I entered this field, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a professional mentor at all. I actually just got one last year. I have three now. Um, But when I started working in this field in 2016, I had absolutely no direction. Um, I didn't have many resources. So I utilized social media like, you know, Facebook and Twitter Um, I did a lot of reading of articles on LinkedIn, um, a lot of studying in general, just to kind of teach myself. Um, I I wasn't properly trained in any of my roles until probably the role I have now um, for all of these years. So I'm really, in that sense, pretty much self-taught. Wow. So I'm curious, since you self-taught yourself many things, what were some lessons then that you wish you would have known before starting in this industry of HR and sourcing? getting a mentor. (laughs) I wish, yeah, I really wish I would have known about um, negotiating salaries. Uh, I think I didn't negotiate for, I didn't go, I didn't start negotiating in compensation wise until last year. Um, When I got my, I had a contract role prior to this. So I had never negotiated comp. Like I gave the role, the, the amount that I wanted and they gave what I mean, what I asked. 
back then I didn't know, if they give you what you ask, more than likely you can ask for more because mm-hmm. they've budgeted for more. And I really wish I would have had a mentor or someone I could have spoken to that could have guided me through this entire process, um, advocating for myself, you know, when to speak up, when not to speak up, um, and when to be strategic in my responses so it doesn't come off as combative. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't know anything. Definitely. But you know what? Now you have three mentors, so more than you can ask. And it's still relatively quite early in your career. So you can use that to your advantage. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. And so since you are quite early in your career, I'm curious, what would you say was your biggest failure? What did you learn from it? I consider myself more mid-level career because Mm -hmm. I've been in, I haven't been, I've been a recruiter for about five years, well, sourcing recruiter five years, but Mm -hmm. I did work in a different industry prior. So I've been working since it's been about seven years I've been a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, I was <sighs> one of the biggest lessons. The first time I got fired from a full-time job. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a I, tough one. Yes. Um, I got fired because of performance. Uh, my performance at first had been amazing. And then it just kind of dwindled down and, and it just progressively got worse And, um, that's the reason I got fired and I cried not because of me getting fired. I was actually miserable at my job. So it was like a cry of relief, Mm. but I was like, how am I going to pay my bills? Mm. (laughs) Because I was definitely living on my own. I was in a totally different city, um, than my family and friends. And it was a hard lesson for me to learn. I was out of work only for a month though. Like I started, like I took time. I actually did lift, um, to earn money to pay my my bills and my rent and whatnot for a few weeks. And then I started going like crazy with like revamping my resume a bit and um, applying for jobs heavily. And I ended up landing a job within a month. Like I was only out of work for about a month and a half, maybe at not even. And I landed a job in DC and just started commuting from Baltimore to DC. That's awesome. And you definitely learned from that experience and you got back up. And I think that definitely speaks volumes I will say one more lesson I learned, um, and I think this was probably the most important lesson for me. Two two more lessons. Last year, I got laid off right before COVID. Mm. And I was out of work for 11 weeks. And those 11 weeks were extremely difficult. Um, I'm, I can imagine anyone that has you know been through a layoff, especially in the middle of everything going on last year. Um, I used to, and sometimes I still struggle with it. I think as professionals, we struggle with it, place a lot of our value and a lot of our worth into our work and what we do. And then when you no longer have that to linger on to, you kind of feel a bit lost and you have to take time to sit with yourself, especially when you can't go anywhere because everything's closed. And I had to sit with myself for weeks. I cried. I was really upset. I, like I went through all of the motions because I've always been that person that can just get a job. Like mm-hmm. if I really just try, I can always get a job. Mm-hmm. But COVID did not allow that to happen because so many companies had been laying people off. So many places were on a hiring freeze and it was difficult. And I, I will say I tied a lot of my worth into the title that I had and the work that I did. And I really had to sit back and just like start to work on the self-love outside of my work and and not align my worth and who I was to a title at a company or a role. And um, 
more recently, I can speak about this because I'm in a much better place now. Mm -hmm. I got an offer from a fang company. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I actually had about three offers from three different companies, but I went with the fang. One was a smaller company and another one was another big tech, just not fang. And I declined the two other offers. The other big tech company came back with more money, which made a $5,000 difference, now a $15,000 difference. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. So I'm clearly worth more than I realized I was. Um, well, congratulations I, on the offer. Thank you. But I had already signed the offer for the fan company. Oh, no. Yeah, super unorthodox to do. We all know in normal practice, you should never try to negotiate a salary after signing an offer. Mm. And the only reason I did it was because when the other company came back and offered me more, I was like, well, maybe I should ask this fan company for a little more not necessarily match it because I don't think they will, but a little bit closer. And I did that and I just expected them to say possibly no, yes, whatever it was. They said no and they rescinded my offer. Oh my goodness. It's <laughs> going through it. So I'm glad we had this call now because this past month was like hell. <laughs> for me. Oh my goodness. What a turn of events. Yes. I was just like, I called my mentor and I was telling her about it. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she was like, well, don't do that again. <laughs> she was like, all right, here's the game plan. And we kind of set up what I was going to do with next steps. Reach back out to the other big tech company. They were still super interested, but they went on a hiring freeze. <laughs> I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh my goodness. So it was a rough month. Um, mm -hmm. And that was another lesson I learned there. Like just, just continual lessons that I've been learning um, even now. And I'm happy to say that I have, um, still I have the other big tech offer. It's just that the hiring freeze has pushed things. Like the offer was never taken off the table. It's just kind of lingering. Mm -hmm. But I do have an offer from a top like global investment firm and the other fan company that, you know, turn me down their competition. <laughs> so, um, I, and then I just finished up more interviews this week. So I'm hoping to have at least like three or four more offers and kind of pit them against each other before signing anything. Mm, definitely. So, um, I'm happy about it. It was, it, it was just definitely another lesson to be learned this, this past month. For sure. For sure. And following on from that, um, what would be one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? One, advocate for yourself. Um, definitely fight for yourself. There, You have to. No one else is going to do it for you. Uh, that's one. Two, get connected. Build a network. I think sometimes when people learn about networking, they think, oh, we go into a room, you have a conversation with somebody, exchange cards. Now I've networked. Um, and I'm like, that's just not true. Uh, you network when you don't need something from someone else. You just have a conversation. You connect from there. Mm -hmm. It's literally just just building that relationship. And now that most things are virtual, it's I think it's so much easier to do it virtually because you can literally just reach out to someone and say, hey, I see that you're doing X, Y, Z. I really want to learn about that. Like, can we just have a conversation? I think it's super important for people to just reach out to professionals and you have access to them via LinkedIn, like leaders. And I mean, like global leaders. And many of them are very responsive. And if they don't respond, reach out to the next person. It's okay. Um, 
And then also understand that your peers are your network. You guys are growing and elevating together. Mm -hmm. And I think some people overlook that and look for the person on the next level rather than looking around them and seeing where they're going to be in the next five, 10 plus years. So that's definitely my biggest piece of advice. Definitely. And also, what is one common myth about the HR field that you would like to debunk right here, right now? Oh, man. Oh, gosh. I think, okay. This is the biggest myth, specifically when it comes to recruiting and sourcing. Mm -hmm. Recruiters from staffing firms and corporate internal recruiters are not the same. (laughs) We are totally different. Mm Our, our clients, our stakeholders, totally different. We function differently, like completely differently. If you're in staffing, it's very much so really, like you have, you're building relationships, but it's very sales-like because you're trying to get that commission. You're trying to place a body in a seat. You're trying to fill a role. Mm-hmm. In corporate, we don't necessarily care about filling a, like just filling a role. It has to be the right person. And we're not trying to sell anything to you. It's more so like building a relationship, seeing if it's a good fit and how it's going to work. Like there is a battle between staffing recruiters and and corporate (laughs) recruiters. It's crazy. That's so funny. And um, as you mentioned, you've been going through a lot of interviews this week, but I'm curious, what is one thing that you've read or listened to recently that's really inspired you? Oh, man. Um. There is a book. I can I think the author's name is like Miguel Ruaz. I might be butchering this man's name, but it's called The Four Agreements. It's unrelated to HR, anything. Um, it's it's the four agreements about life. And I think it's super important to change your perspective or learn or tar- start to view things from a different perspective so that you don't take things personally. Um, you you really start to view the world and see that, you know, your view and the other person's view, even within your circle, is totally different. And the way that you may interpret one thing, they're not going to interpret it the same. It's literally just a book about life. Mm. Um, so I would encourage anyone, um, you know, going through any journey right now, no matter where they are in life, to read that book. Awesome. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, the power of having a mentor and somebody to really speak to. Um, Who are three people in your life who have been the most influential to you? Definitely my mentor. Her name is Letitia. She is actually a global executive um, for a management consulting firm. She's Mm -hmm. amazing. Um, My former boss and my former boss here at Paylocity, she actually just left in April. Um, I actually cried when she left and I've never cried for, yeah, it's crazy. I've never cried for a boss. So it was nice. Um, She was one of the best leaders. See, I don't even like to call her a boss. She was one of the best leaders I've ever had. And Mm -hmm. I only had her for like four months. That says a lot in my my seven years. Yeah. Um, And the third person, I have a friend named Tiara. Um, and if whoever's watching this, reach out to her. She's super awesome. Her name is Tiara Swain. She works for LinkedIn and she's so inspiring. She's been through so much in life and she's the sweetest person I know. She is a go-getter. She is an amazing resource. She, she's just like, I have never, I mean, I know amazing people, but like, I don't know anyone like Tiara. Oh, how wonderful. And then finally, to wrap up our conversation, what is one piece of advice that you wish you gave yourself at any point in your life? Oh, man. Um, 
no job is worth your mental health ever. I wish I would have told myself that when I was 25. Mm. No, very, very important. Your mental health is like the most important thing. As I've heard before, health is wealth and there's no point doing a job when you're just not fully at your best capacity. Exactly. Well, great. Well, thank you for that piece of advice, especially during a time like this. I think it's very important to remember mental health. Um, But yeah, thank you so much, uh, Janae, for talking with me today. It was absolutely wonderful to have this conversation. Thank you for having me. I definitely appreciate it. All right, then.